0: Welcome back to the Backdrop Untold Stories in Golf. Professor, top of the morning to you. Today
1: is a day of celebration. We've got, what are we celebrating? we've got new club ambassador, Patrick McSpadden, getting promoted to lieutenant colonel, I believe, is a technical name within the Air Force. So I'm up here in D.C. He invited me up to come be one of the people that gets to go to the ceremony. I got to do like 27 background checks. Maybe I get in. Maybe I don't. I don't know. They're going to not like my Fazio takes somewhere, probably. Um, but you're now on
0: some, some level of security. <laughs> I don't know what level of security you've just been granted, but you are now in the way fold. too, way too much. Yeah.
1: But no, um, get to go celebrate his, uh, his promotion today here up in DC. Just yeah, many, looking at the, I'm looking at the Pentagon right now. Um, yeah. Many listeners,
0: hours. many listeners will know slag, uh, by his nickname on, on social. And, uh, yeah, congrats to, to him, a listener of the pod. It's good to give him his, his proper uh, shout-out. And he gets to be a lieutenant and a colonel? Did I hear that
1: right? I, I think te- the technical title is lieutenant colonel. It's, um, I, I should know because my whole family's been in the military. Um, my dad is my uncles, so grandpas, um, so I should know, but I forget the technical title. So I think also within each force, it might be a little bit different, right? Slags underneath the Air Force. So I know, I think the titles are a little bit different, maybe under each body. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I think I was trying to look at the other night and it's complicated. That's all I know.
0: As, as our government is. Well, congrats to you, Mr. McFadden and SLAG and, and uh, any of our, thanks to any of our members that are in the military or any of our listeners in the military. We we thank you for your service. That's right. Uh, any fun, any any educational items attached to that for us today? Yeah, or I do. Diving right into our guests.
1: I, no, I think I, I got one that's related to SLAG. I think one that anybody that's been around, Patrick, um he's very refreshing that he's just like always a doer and all like there's never like a win or a loss with him it's just like let's just enjoy the moment get better and improve right this relates to a lot of the education research i do so you've maybe you've heard of growth mindset have you heard that term yet you've got you've got a couple kids you've probably heard that
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you're going to hear all sorts of pop psychology stuff, but it's actually a really legitimate thing. This is very well uh, researched in the psychology literature, as well as within math education, the field I exist in. Um, So one of the important things, like in terms of how to pragmatically adopt that in your life, I'm really speaking to you, Matt, here, someone raising kids. Whenever you're, let's say, praising your kids, focus on verbs, not qualities of them, right? Not you're so smart, but hey, you worked so hard preparing for that test right like really focus on the verbiage of your feedback to them because we actually have uh, confirmed studies so repeated studies like this is now well held as a research based fact that when you give the quality feedback like oh you're so smart you actually hinder future performance you also hinder their ability to work through um um any problems they encounter right any setbacks they do where if you focus on the 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 verbs rather than the qualities, you prepare them for future setbacks as well as performing better. Um, that doesn't mean don't celebrate success, right? Take them out, right? Get a good meal after uh, winning the championship, but don't turn it into, oh, you're so good at golf, right? Turn it into, yeah. wow, you worked really hard this season and look how that paid off, right? That, you know, no matter what happened, you showed up every day. And so in terms he, of building the growth mindset, focus on that and your feedback with your kids. That's, that's
0: really interesting because if you say... You know, oh, you're so smart, or uh, then it's a fixed mindset, right? Isn't that the uh, the op- opposite of it? Of the, of like, I'm smart, so I'll always be smart. And then when they run into roadblocks and they can't, they have math problems they can't figure out, which I had plenty as a child. Uh, you you start to think that oh, maybe I'm not so smart. Then you start to have those those negative self doubts. Versus, yep. uh, hey, I worked hard. I, I I can I can get through this. I'm I. Wow, you figured that out. You problem solve. You you did it. And then that can carry you through more challenges. Is that kind of another way of saying it?
1: Precisely. Yeah. Think of it as just identity building. What identity do you want to build? In In this case, your kid, right? It's a kid that looks at themselves and said, I'm so smart. Or the kids that looks at themselves and say, yeah, you know, I've shown myself as smart, but that's because I've worked hard. I put in the effort. When I run into something, I keep plowing through it, right? That's the uh, the identity you want to build.
0: This has me reflecting on. Uh, I always tell you how smart you are, Professor. Maybe I'm going to stop telling you how smart you are on, on this show specifically. You know, I'm just going to say, man, you researched the hell out of that one. That <laughs> is, yeah,
1: I, I'm, 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 I'm honestly just spouting off other people what they say. Right? This is I, I am not the creator of any of these facts. I, maybe no, there's one or I I'd I like to of uh, almost uh, all of these are somebody else. Uh,
0: I'd like you to raise my children too. That's my other second point. If you don't mind, uh, you know, I can ship them down <laughs> I can ship them down <laughs> to Georgia. That would be very helpful. Um that's very interesting. Well, uh, let's get to our guest, because I'm very excited to talk to this gentleman. It's been a, a long time that folks have, have multiple people have assumed I know I've known this gentleman and I have not. Um, but the the what the project that Morgan Purvis, who's joining us on the show today, that he is working on at Old Barnwell. Uh, what they've done, it it really speaks to me. And I uh, I'm just I'm excited that we finally got them on to uh, to chat about it.
1: Talk about identity, right? Like in terms of building an identity. I'm so yeah, very excited to dive into the identity of Old Barnwell and how they've remained committed to that initial initial idea. It's something to be proud of and it's something other clubs should really pay attention to.
0: Kevin, a couple of weeks ago on this show we did announce our uh, partnership with Titleist here at New Club. Very exciting news but any, any golfer worth their salt knows it's not just about the, 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 the head at the end of that club. What else matters? Obviously oh, that golf shaft. The shaft. Obviously that golf shaft. So I just, a special thanks to our supporter and partner of this year's Founders Cup, uh, supporter of this podcast, True Temper, the number one shaft in golf. Thank you to our friends at True. Uh, they're manufacturers of True Temper, Project X, Aerotech, Acra, brand of golf shafts. Um, they help golfers at every level. And their products are used on the PGA Tour by over 80% of uh, PGA Tour players each week. So thank you, True Temper. Uh, Professor, why don't we get on to the show? Let's do it.
2: Morgan, welcome to the Bank Drive. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. Uh, I I didn't know I was going to get a uh, brief Look back into my childhood with uh, being told I'm so smart and you know work harder. But uh, yeah, what what a treat that was.
0: Did that backfire for you? Uh,
2: I, I'm going to be honest. There was a, there were some heavy contemplative moments uh, very early this morning uh, that I did not expect, uh, but I'm happy nonetheless.
0: We we like to hit our listeners hard with really getting <laughs> uh, getting deep for them, and then and then we lighten it up as we bring on our guests. Don't worry, we won't we won't go too heady uh, for for our our chat
2: with you here today. Well, ha- Again, happy Happy, to be here with you guys.
0: I feel totally left out here. I didn't know everybody had to have a hotel room backdrop for the the call this morning.
2: Like where I know Kevin's in DC celebrating uh promotions. Where are you, Morgan? I am in uh Chicago, Illinois. Uh I've been here for two days now and uh <laughs> playing uh obscure racket sports. Uh playing court tennis or real tennis so uh so, I, you know, this is obviously a golf podcast so we should
1: probably skip that. for everybody out there no. real tennis is not pickleball let's clarify that right now Tell, what is real tennis morgan Talk, real not real tennis,
2: real tennis stop is, playing yeah, pickleball it, yeah Got. listen 600 million dollars uh of additional injuries to u.s citizens this is <laughs> the stat i saw the other day for pickleball players so you know be safe out there but uh Court tennis is basically the original racket sports game. So you kind of played it in alleys. Uh, at one point in time, there were, you know, thousands of courts. Now in the U.S., I think there's 10 or 12. Uh, UK probably has 50, and then a handful in France and Australia. But, uh, yeah, so we're here in Chicago playing uh, some great, good friends of mine from Aiken. And, uh, yeah, long day ahead of us, but, uh, again, happy to start the day off with you guys.
0: What 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 are the specifications of the court? <laughs>
2: It's about the size of a tennis court, uh, however, it has uh concrete walls and you hit it you can play it off of those uh, and then it has like slanted roofs around it. I mean, honestly, until you see it, the it's something like you you genuinely won't believe
0: uh, how have I not heard of this? Is this like <laughs> w- would this be adjacent to a hickory
2: golf in a way? Uh, that's a that's a fair comparison uh. Yeah, that, that's that's a very fair comparison. I mean, Kevin Kevin's seen it, right, and he can speak. It's to It's trippy. Yeah, it's if you don't know what you're getting into, it, it, you're walking into a different world.
0: Well, like I know it's a golf podcast, but I might be more interested in this. So let's stay on this for a second. So, like, how do you get into this? Is it is it a traditionalist
2: type of thing where like you're you're going back to the roots of the game? Uh, I mean, yes, I I think that's fair. Um, it, it you play with old wooden rackets. The balls are all handmade. Uh, you typically have to wear, you know, all white clothing when you're on court. Um, and yeah, it, it is, it's the most bizarre thing, but to me, it's incredibly fun. It's kind of a mixture of like tennis and squash. You can hit it off walls, things like that. Um, and yeah, so there we've got a big competition in December. And so the pro here in Chicago was kind enough to host us up here for the weekend. So as we said earlier, you know, mixed in a little bit of golf and, uh, yeah, and then we've got a full day of training. But it, it, typically, to, it's it's more of a club game here. So, like people typically don't play it as kids in the U.S. And then once you join one of these clubs, then you you find yourself
1: playing. And Correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan. Too like, don't you make the balls in house? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, At least so we, right. Uh, don't, not me personally, right? But right. Uh, the
2: professionals all hand stitch. So it's. I mean, I've seen our pro, Nick Howell, he basically like will chop up wine corks and then wrap those, sew them, and then he replaces the felt on the balls every uh, month, give or take. Wow. wow. And, and, and you know, it's it's such a small sport where, you know, realistically – you can say I might be one of the top 100 players in the U S you know, out of 150 players total. Right. I mean, it, <laughs> it's
0: kind of a sick flex. It's kind of a cool flex. <laughs> Listen, uh,
2: it, it doesn't work at the bars as well as you think it would. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love that. It is so interesting. I'm going to, when we get done with this call, I'm going to be looking that up. I mean, Kevin and I on a recent show, Morgan, we're talking about like connection to your equipment in golf and how yep. like the two of us, well he, he has to regrip his clubs as an example like he has to do it and really? now it's get now it's stuck in my head and i got a regripping station downstairs so i have to now regrip my clubs but uh but like just that connection imagine making your own tennis balls what that does or having to make your own feathery golf balls that's another <sighs> level
2: well yeah i mean the, you know there is it it's interesting like they we have we were renting a set of balls from a guy And we lost one through a, I mean, this is going to, this is going to make no sense, but we lost one through a window. And so we had to like go out and find the ball on the streets, the mean streets of Aiken, South Carolina. So (laughs) there we were. Wow. Wow. Well,
0: you you bring up Aiken and I want to get to um, talking about old Barnwell that you're the the founder of. before we do that, can you give our, our listeners that may not be familiar with you just a little bit of background on yourself? You mentioned Aiken. You know, how'd you get there? Uh, t- tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah. So, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll say one thing. You know, I'm technically the director of partnerships, the most techie-sounding, uh, you know, name for a golf club in the world. But um, yeah, Nick Schreiber, our co-founder. Uh, so Nick and I, uh, we met, uh, gosh, now a little more than two years ago, and I am. I'll be 39 here in a couple of weeks, and now, terrifyingly enough, when you think back. Uh, but so I'm originally from Aiken, South Carolina, and was living in Atlanta. I had back surgery uh, right as COVID had started. I was 35, about to turn 36, and you know I grew up playing a lot of soccer and tennis. Not really much golf, um, and that was really more kind of a college thing. And I decided to celebrate being healthy for my back surgery, that I was going to play 36 different Alistair McKenzie-designed golf courses while I was 36 years old. Uh, moved back to Aiken, uh, played out of Palmetto, where I've been a member for you know 13-plus years now. And obviously, uh, Alistair McKenzie has some connections there. And I traveled around the world despite COVID. Um, two trips to the UK, one to California. And while I was traveling, um, I ended up, playing Old Town Club on my way back to Aiken, and met Nick Schreiber, who had just at the time closed on, at the time, 450 acres (laughs) that is now uh, part of 575 acres uh, for the golf course that we're building at Old Barnwell. So uh, in the last two years, we've been building the golf course, building up our membership, and it has been, without a doubt, the most rewarding thing I think I could have ever done in my life um, to build a golf course, uh, or help start up a golf course. I'm not, you know, on a, <laughs> on a bulldozer, but to help start up a golf course that has a mission like we do, um, where we're trying to give back, uh, to the game of golf. Um, some of the things that it's given us, it's been, uh, incredible to have the reception that we've had and be in a position to hopefully change a lot of lives, uh, as it relates to the game of golf.
0: As, uh, uh, the the founder of new club. And I said this on our intro professors heard me say it a bunch of time as founder of new club. I've I've stumbled across pretty much, you know, a ton of new things in in the golf world. Um, when, when I was able to see what your guys mission was and, and how you guys broke it down and how you weren't afraid to spell out what is your ideal member? I, I took notice. I said, this is different. This is a, a ethos of, you know, I think, I think with the boom in golf, we saw a lot of development, right? But I didn't see anything quite like what you guys were doing. So I'm really interested in that. You guys are clearly uh, mission-driven. And, and I think you're, you're putting things like inclusivity and diversity. And, and I took this a quote from your website, welcoming beginners and families is a pro, not a con, I mean, just calling that out is – because there's a lot of shrouded language in golf that it fairly says, like, you know, if you're a beginner, we don't want you, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, don't, they don't say that directly, but a lot of places, that's what they're subtly saying. So t-
2: tell me, Morgan, where does that start? Gosh, um, it, it kind of goes back to when Nick and I first met, right? Uh, I think I had just – I was about to head back to the UK uh, for a month. But my first trip over there, I'd spent uh, just shy of two months total, and um, after spending time not rushing around, right? It wasn't I had to play this course on this day, right? When you take typically, you know, some sort of international trip, you have an agenda, you've got to move from place to place, but you see the influence of uh, these golf courses on their town, the people that are proud to show it off, um, you know, their course. Um, it honestly completely resonated with me, and you know uniquely enough I think I would have been willing to support Nick's mission and you know giving back to whatever community that where he would have built the golf course as he looked you know through 60 different properties but the fact that it just happened to be in Aiken which is my hometown that's given me so much you know that idea of paying it forward being proud of your town um and using the game as a vehicle to help other people uh there was nothing that Nick ever had to convince me of to make that be the case, right? We were off to the run. You know, we were there's in the last three years as all, you know, this, my life is turned upside down in the best possible way. I think the one thing I wish that there was a video of was the first time that Nick and I met, right? Because we immediately realized, you know, his vision, he didn't have to explain it to me. And interestingly enough, as we've been building the membership for this golf course, We've been very clear with everybody of what it is we're trying to do. We've been very clear, um, sometimes maybe to a fault that we <laughs> it's a learning process for us as well. And so, you know, be patient, recognize um, you know, what golf has given you and we're gonna hopefully give you a vehicle to pay that forward. And I I even though you know we open officially or you know, the golf course open reopens for preview play all 18 uh in September, September 15th. Um I, I think with our members, we've been able to see already that they recognize what it is we're trying to do and are happy to use you know, their own resources to pay it for. So it, it's I can't tell you how excited we are uh, to get up and running here in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, Morgan, I want to follow up on the the membership drive a little bit because I've been really um energized by the way you're approaching building a membership and, and targeting that, which is just very different than most places here in the United States. But before we do that, could you educate our listeners too on just what is the mission of Old Barnwell? Like give us those core principles. Matt's mentioned one of them, but that you've from, I know I've known you now for several, you know, two, three, four years, whatever it's been. And it's been the mission all the way through. It's never changed. It's never wavered. So, so tell yeah, our members so, a little. So, in short, the, the
2: mission is to bring people together through the game of golf, right? That, I mean, that is that's the tagline. You'll see it in any of our marketing decks. Um, you know, admittedly, we have to start small. We have ideas on way we're trying to do that within our own community. So, right now, we have kind of four pillars that we're working in. So, um, I'll go kind of the the of the four. The first is um, we're basically using the club's resources to invest in women's golf. And we're doing that on, you know, again, admittedly a small level to start, but we're sponsoring four aspiring female professionals. Um, So they will be moving down to Aiken. Uh, We are doing this in partnership with uh, the Annika Sorenstam Foundation. So the four recipients, uh, they end up having um, a $10,000 per year stipend to help offset their travel costs for the first year. We actually provide them with housing as well. Uh, It's a lovely house in Aiken uh, that we actually just moved some stuff in uh, for one of the girls just the other day. And uh, then they have the resources to play in the club for the next three years. So it's a three year program. we will ask of them that they kind of participate if we do any sort of youth clinics, you know, that they help out with that. That's, you know, part of the trade off. But, you know, they're all um, great golfers. Lauren Walsh, uh, who actually just finished, I think, seventh in the women's NCAA and played at Wake Forest, um, she's now uh, actually playing over in uh, the UK this summer on the Let Access Tour uh and then basically all four of those girls are waiting for um women's Q school i think in a couple of weeks maybe end of august uh so that's pillar number 1 is supporting women's golf the second is we're working um with the Evan Scholar Foundation and the Western Golf Association to start a youth caddy program um hopefully be kind of a flagship program as the Western Golf Association Evan Scholar Foundation is trying to move um towards you know i guess you know started in the midwest work throughout the northeast and now kind of moving um Southwards. So uh we will uh, we are in the process of recruiting and training caddies. Um, you know, interestingly enough, when we played yesterday, we had two youth caddies. And, you know, I was find myself asking this kid, you know, a tremendous amount of questions on how the club has supported him, uh, which just makes me, again, f- fills up the cup and feels refreshed. Uh third, we are working with some historical black colleges and universities in the area. So um we've worked with Payne College. We're basically willing to hope anything that they want on the golf side as they, you know, kind of restart their uh, men's and start completely start up their women's program. So once our golf course is a little bit further along, you know, they will have the ability to come play and practice out of there. Hopefully we can host a tournament from them. Um, and then we're working with Denmark, you Uni- know, or excuse me Voorhees university in Denmark, South Carolina, and they are going to provide kind of eight seniors that they'll select. And we will give them golf instruction plus networking and kind of you know job tutoring uh at Old Barnwell and then last but not least we are working with Operation Double Eagle based out of Augusta which basically takes recently discharged veterans and teaches them agronomy skills so you know it's a wide kind of swath of things that we're working on we're starting small but again those kind of mission components we're looking to build upon kind of those four pillars and just couldn't be again more excited to really get going Uh, here in the coming weeks and months
1: now returning you to the member side so one of my i mean i guess the hills i would die on is the way exclusivity has been enacted in the united states right and really what it means is like do you have the right check the amount of money to write a check to us to get in and that's what exclusivity really truly means to i'd say 97 percent of the country clubs out there but I've seen a totally different approach on the membership side from you all. Uh, could you maybe talk about how you've approached, I know you've been one of the central players of that, of building up the membership and recruiting, um, and how you've approached that in terms of these pillars that you have around old Barnwell.
2: yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, it, you know, it, it admittedly you have, I think we've, we've said, you have to have a great golf of course, um, to be able to do, to do these things. Oh, I mean, you don't have to, but it helps. Um, so as the golf course itself is, you know, we've we, seen pictures, you know, you've come out and seen the land it, you know, it, it makes it I, certainly easier to recruit. But at the same time, it is important for us that we're, you know, it's not just a golf club. Right. I mean, we, you can come play the golf course whenever you want. That's perfectly fine. But we do want you to, you know, any you know, member, potential member. Uh, to really be involved in the mission aspect of what we're trying to do, right? So whether that's taking a youth caddy or whether that's working with any of the Anika women uh, that we have, uh, or you know doing any sort of mentorship with the kids at Voorhees, um, we want that to be you know an important part of your experience at Old Barnwell. And admittedly, uh, you know it, it's it's exciting. We're you know, we're so again amped up for what's you know set to happen here in a couple of weeks when we reopen for preview play but uh at the same time i i think we've been so lucky where we've already seen our members who you know admittedly could probably play some level of lip service oh yes this is important to us you know we'd like to be a part of it but we've really already seen it on the way that people are willing to support um any of the kind of mission things that we have and the community that we've built and you know people recognizing um know that we're all in this together it really has been uh incredible to see thus far and um yeah it's just again uh, sometimes i get too excited about what we're about what we're about to do
0: yeah and and having it be there from the uh the get-go you know built into the the ethos of your club i think you know one question i'm curious on is just the financial pressures of that right it's like everything needs resources and time and and so you guys have started these programs while you're building a golf course while you're while you're getting uh uh you know the the basic operations of running a club off the ground has that have those two competed and when they have what's the discussion like between yourself and Nick and the other stakeholders like is there levels to that where you, you guys are committed to doing the right thing but then there's also the, the pricier thing or the cost thing. I mean, how how do those two work out?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I I mean, I think, you know, the mission will always be the most important part. Right. So if it comes at a cost, then um, you know, Nick is willing to again use his resources to commit to make sure that the mission remains the most important part. Right. I mean, we had um, you know, admittedly, the, you know, we certainly believe we could probably charge more than what we're charging for our initiation for the golf course. Um, but part of that was keeping it low. I mean, I, I believe the stat is, you know, we ha- certainly have members that this is their you know, fifth, sixth, seventh club that, you know, have joined old Barnwell. And then we have probably, I think close to 10 or 15% of our members where it's their first club completely. Right. You know, they've never been a part of anything. Um, and again, it's incumbent upon, you know, that member who has multiple clubs to make that person who it's their first club, make them feel comfortable. That's Nick and I's job as well. Right. Um, but, Every decision that we make is always kind of made with the mission staying as as the most important thing of what we're doing.
0: Let's talk about the courses. Um, I want to start with the kids course. I, I admittedly don't know much about, I know I, I've been following along, you know, I saw Friday, I did a nice piece on, you know, the big course, the old, the, the namesake, if you will, Old Barnwell. And uh, you have, is it old, is it Gilroy? That'll come. The Gilroy will come down the line, yeah, correct. Down the line, yeah. But let's start with the kids' course. Tell me about this place. What is its conception? Like, how, what, what what's it going to be? What is it?
2: Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, it. this was kind of one of, Brian and Blake, you know, Brian Schneider and Blake Cohn and our architects, it was one of kind of their ideas of, um, you know, we had old, you know, the main course at Old Barnwell. Nick had this idea for the Gilroy being kind of the second course. And they suggested, well, you know, you see in Scotland, you know, where where they have these you know, secondary courses that I think it's what uh, North Berwick has, you know, their course where it's, you know, kids are the most important aspect. It's where kids can, you know, people learn to start to play the game in, in the most comfortable environment. Uh, and so, yeah, we've have this idea that we will build our own version of that here. Um, our goal, uh, is that before three o'clock, any regular member cannot play, uh, the kids course without, uh, the invitation of one of our junior members and kids. So, um, operationally there might be some challenges around that, but, uh, that is the goal, right? Is to essentially have this. Kind of par three short course. They'll, I think we the goal is to actually have a uh, one or two par fours on the course as well. Um, we did um, again just kind of talk about the culture aspect of it. Um, Brian Schneider had a tremendous idea to uh, invite kids to create their own drawing and try to basically design one of the holes. Uh, and so we had probably forty plus submissions of hand drawn uh, golf holes from kids. And I, I, I don't remember who it was. I think we jokingly called it the little Lido contest, um, which I really made me laugh tremendously, but, uh, yeah. So, um, Will, will he takes submissions from 30
0: years ago.
1: I have, like a,
2: whole, we, uh, listen, I have uh, a church book. There's a
0: hymn book at, at Lutheran church that has about 47 different golf holes drawn in
2: it. Well, uh, you know, you please please feel free to submit that. I'll send you my address <laughs> afterwards. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, again, it, that it, the club, the kids course actually has its own, we have its own branding, own marketing for it as well. Um, you know, again, giving these kids agency, being proud of something and wanting to share it, you know, to, to share it with others. I, I think that's, that's really all you can ask for in anything in life, right? And that's, we want the kids to have their own agency with, as it relates to the kids course as well. Oh, that's cool um P- professor
0: you, you sneak some in here but i'm going to i'll go with uh Blake and Brian and how you guys got to the selection process with with those two gentlemen
2: yeah so um that was kind of a that was all Nick right a little before i started but i, I believe you know Brian Schneider who uh was you know was a partner at Renaissance uh golf design i, I think Nick had wanted Brian to design um the you know, original main course at Old Barnwell and had then Blake Conant, um, of Dundee Golf and had been a shaper with Brian, uh, had him in mind to do the Gilroy course. And as Nick was in negotiations with each of them, I think, uh, they both kind of recommended each other and said, listen, well, let's, we're gonna, this'll be our first, you know, full 18 hole course design, you know, from soup to nuts. So, Uh, what if we just did it together? And so that was kind of their choice, uh, to say, we'd like to pair up on, you know, the design and we couldn't have been, uh, more fortunate. That's been the case. Uh, it's watching this all to come together in the past two years to go from when, you know, like Kevin came out, I think it was December of 21 to where I think we just really started clearing trees to now having 18 holes almost ready uh you know it's still gonna take three four years uh to get the golf course in the condition that we want it with native areas and things like that and kind of additional plannings and but uh yeah it's brian and blake i believe have built something that i know our team could not be more proud of um i believe our members are just as excited but it's it's a bit like you know christmas eve for us at this moment where we're the anticipation is incredibly high um we did hit a few putts the other day on uh 13 green i admittedly was uh deferential to nick i didn't really want to do any of that until i saw him hit a couple of putts first but uh yeah we've it, it brian and blake have put together something that uh, we're so proud of, and we know our members should, will be proud of it. And again, it just provides this foundation for us to to build, you know, hope, you know build upon the mission that we've talked about already.
1: So I'm low-key obsessed with like following projects and how they come along. And, and one of the things I'm most interested in, what's it look like behind the scenes for the project between, you know, let's say you and Nick and then Brian and Blake, did y'all just kind of Hey, have at it! Here's the land. Do what you want. Or was there a lot of back and forth? Was Nick very involved? Like, what's that? Because I know every project looks different. And I, you know, I don't think there's one right way to do it. But what, what did Old Barnwell look like in terms? Yeah, of that's a great evolution? question. Uh,
2: it was uh, essentially Nick told Brian and Blake. I, I think his really his only charge was build me the best best eighteen holes that you can. Right, um, and. They, I believe, have done that. There's been a little bit of time where Nick has maybe suggested one thing, um, and then Brian and Blake will say, oh, I agree, or, you know, oh, we're not going to do that, and here's why. But it's it's been an incredibly constructive process. Um, but it, it has never been, you know, us sitting here telling these guys, oh, we need this, this, and this. Uh, you know, it, they have Brian and Blake and their team um, – have full reign on kind of what they want to
1: design on the golf course awesome well i know what i've seen so far has been great and i look forward to you know one of our mutual friends luke but right was messaging me the other day on a timely manner and he's like he's like clear your schedule it's go time um but give us give us your you know there's a lot of listeners that are just golf course sickos and you obviously morgan are, are one of those as well I'm not going to ask for your unbiased opinion on the course. You know, now that the 18 holes is about to open up, so be as biased as you want, but paint a picture of old Barnwell, you know, for those that ha- maybe don't know much about it, but, you know, a lot of our members, a lot of our listeners are going to find a way to get down there and play either with us or with you, you all um, yeah. paint a picture of the course, like what's its style and what it's looking like. What it look yeah, like. so
2: um I, I think it was, we wanted to have created kind of, you know, multiple playing environments. So what I would say is we have, in my opinion, kind of two different uh, environments on the property, right? So um, we have your, what would be considered probably an inland links, wide open, Uh, the wind, a little bit of wind goes a long way at Old Barnwell. And that's right now, well, we had our preview loop holes, one through five, 17, 18, uh, six, seven, and eight. And then now for basically holes nine through uh, 15, you are then playing in and around some trees so kind of a more parkland you know uh vibe over on the other side of um you know where our main club ha- the other side of our little valley that we have and then uh yeah you're back out into the inland links uh coming home for really your approach shot on 16 17 and 18. Uh, and yeah it, it was imperative, it was important for us again to create those multiple play environments you can see Um, from standing where 18 green is where the clubhouse will eventually be built. Uh, we, you can see basically 14 or 15 holes, um, from right there. And so it's, it is wide open, uh, expansive views. And we have uh, 75 feet, I think of total elevation change on the golf course. Um, 45 to 50 of that comes, uh, as you play down our Valley, um, on six T, but, uh, yeah rolling hills but most of that elevation change again you're taking on while you're playing the golf course you're not just kind of walking up and down throughout the property so uh yeah it's it's definitely a little hillier than you expect it's going to be uh you know a a good challenge to walk but uh they Brian and Blake have designed it specifically with uh you know quick short green to tee transitions and with walking being the most important thing we've said we will allow carts but it's uh always going to be walking strongly encouraged uh if if the weather allows it that's really the thing that we're looking for the most if it's above 90 degrees yeah you can probably take a cart um uh, but that's uh it is it is it will be walking strongly encouraged
0: god is that great
2: that is just wonderful to hear
0: is there pl- is there that's a lot of land is there still room for uh, our court tennis or a real
2: real tennis <laughs> there there is not that is uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have jokingly said, uh, the, I mean, this, "Come on." Well, I mean, we've talked about you know with the family aspect of it, right? I mean, going back to the mission, you know, if somebody's bringing their you know their family, their kids, uh, you know, maybe a seven-year-old doesn't necessarily have the focus to play thirty-six holes a day. If they do, more power to them. Um, and so, you know, we've talked about how do we add, you know, do we add another amenities? Do we add tennis courts? Do we add, you know, a pool, you know, again, all of these things are theoretical at this point in time, but I have said over my dead body, you will not see a pickleball court on old Barnwell. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, I can't wait to tell my mother I met you. My mom (laughs) is a diehard tennis player and she thinks that pickleball is the bane of existence. So I'll let her know there are troops out there like you, Morgan, supporting the cause. Well,
2: I, I, you know, I, I'm, I I'll be uh, reluctant to reveal the name of the golf course that I played yesterday, but, uh, it was a very well-established Chicago course. And we were on the fifth hole and obviously you cannot see it, but you could hear pickleball going on in the background. And I just kind of looked at my host, like, wow, they're, they're really going for it here. Aren't they? I mean, I I cannot (laughs) believe they have not stopped this yet, but, uh, I'm sure they will get around to it eventually, but it is, yeah, it's not for me, but Story for another
0: day. That's story for another time. Yeah. It's it's what'd you say? Six hundred thousand dollars in injuries? Six hundred <laughs> no. million. Sorry, six hundred million.
2: Yeah. Uh What's, one of uh, I'll say one of the guys who uh is on our trip right now. Um, you know, he obviously you know protects the innocent or you know the names, but he tells us that three to four times a week, he's an orthopedist in Aiken and uh you know, the intake form, you know, how did you injure yourself and pickleball three to four times a week, uh,
1: is, is the answer. Oh, you are not a serious stay person. Safe. If you, if you play pickleball, that's mine.
0: <laughs> We're going to get some hate mail on this episode. I I, I'll, I'll take in.
1: it. I will. I will <laughs> take it.
0: Uh, I, I want to take us back to, let's see the, the, um, uh, community approach. So y- y- you're an aching guy yeah. and, and 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 this club is now attracting a ton of national attention, national members. But you have, <laughs> and I do commend you guys for for the price breakdown. I, I don't have it in front of me, but just the fact that there is a local member opportunity that's not like it's it, it's just, it's it, it's it's available. You know, it's successful, sure. and and I, I love that. And I commend you guys for that. What what is, what is your other hope though for beyond that? People that don't become members, give us a sense of like what you guys are thinking of in terms of that mission with events and community um but both locally and and those that come may, might be traveling is there a plan for that already do you guys have have that in place
2: yeah i, I mean that's a good question i, I mean we are, we're working through that now trying to figure out you know some sort of like monday events and you know right now when we open in september it's only going to be 4 days a week to start and so we'll have some flexibility in the calendar um to do that um we have a few things kind of in the works already but we we I think there is still maybe some room to improve on uh, as it relates to summer, right? We're going to be closed, you know, in mid-July and August is really the plan, right? The absolute heat of the summer, uh, the golf course will not be open. But that doesn't mean that, you know, it allows us, A, to do the you know, kind of agronomy work that we have to do uh, to keep the course healthy. But after that's done, you know, can we do more community events? Can we have people out there? I, I think there's, there are certainly ways to be creative about that. Um, I mean, honestly, going back to kind of the, you know, the UK as inspiration, um, we just had a trip with some members over to, uh, we did two days of matches at Rye Golf Club and, you know, just the hospitality that these guys showed us, um, and just some of the suggestions I had, oh, you know, here's what you could do here you know, to me, I, I that you know, there's nothing new in golf, right? Nobody's reinventing the wheel as much as people might want to act like they are. Um, mm-hmm. So why not listen to people that have done this at other places and take the best of any of these things that you come across, right? I mean that's, that's really the goal. Um, and as it relates to Aiken, right? It's just to me, you have to find a way to bring people together. Um, and if golf is the vehicle for that, perfect. Um, if you hate golf, you know I'm gonna, <laughs> we're gonna try to win you over. But we think we can make, again, a tremendously positive impact in the community and using the club's resources to do so.
1: Morgan, um, you've got a wealth of experience, as you just alluded to, in terms of your travels. You've been to Australia, you've been to the UK. And I was going to ask you, uh, maybe we'll get into this later uh, on you know, dive into the Mackenzie. but I want to follow up on that. What are some of the the most notable thing is you've learned from seeing other clubs um and it doesn't even have to be something you've incorporated in old barnwell so i'm not asking you to tie to old barnwell but just in general like you've gone somewhere you're like wow that's cool what they're doing that's just i haven't seen that before <sighs> that yeah, that stands I, out to me
2: no i i mean i, I think genuinely for me and it, i don't want this to sound as like a cop out answer but it always comes back to the people right um i mean i remember when i first joined palmetto right i i would go out after work when I was in Aiken, you know, at six o'clock and I would walk the course by myself. And because my golf game was so bad at the time and arguably still is, let's be honest. But, um, you know, I didn't want anybody to see what, as I was trying to figure out the golf course, like, and I was trying to figure out how I wanted to play golf. I, I didn't want anybody to see it. Right. So I was doing this all on my own. And then to your question, it's like, when you travel to places and you have people that are proud of what they have, willing to share it and make you feel welcome. Um, there is nothing cooler. I, again, I, when we played after the day after we played or the two days after or after we played the two days at Rye, I was lucky enough to sneak on to Walton Heath. And one of the smallest little things, and I mean, it, again, nothing new in golf. We're going to steal this idea immediately, I think. But it, they have on your little card that you get, uh, you know, your little bag tag for them to check it. It says member for a day, Right. And it's something small, it's a small little statement, but you look at it and you're like, you know what, that, how great is that? Where I know this is not my golf course, but today I'm a member. It, it just, to me, makes it that sense of welcoming. And that to me is the thing that I, again, I, I've played you know, all over the place. Um, you know, gosh, this year I've played in Australia, England, US, obviously, uh, and that's a three-day trip to the Netherlands, Belgium, and France, right? And I've been fortunate enough to do all of those things. But I just go back to that welcoming atmosphere, and it it means the world. And you know it when you see it, right? But it's, And it's tough to describe. But uh, yeah, I think that's the thing that if we can take that that welcoming sense of being proud of what we have and sharing that with other people, that's the most important thing. I tell you, I, I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna take it back to old Barnwell because I I think I've been lucky to travel a good bit to Morgan and what you just said really resonates with me on those welcomes and those clubs and one piece that I think we hide behind here in a lot of our you know more acclaimed courses and places that people really want to experience um, they're close to a large population and and that really allows I think for more of a closed door experience right because of the the pressure of um, uh, where their price will will be because of that, because of the larger pool of, of local members and also um, the busyness of, of a golf course. And I, I, I've i thought about this in terms of the U.S. Um, some places that come to mind are, are Chattanooga, where you actually do start to experience a little bit more of a welcome, a little bit more of people that are looking forward to sharing their golf course with you. And, and it seems like Aiken... Is, is just prime for this exact thing. Like for what you just described in Rye, I feel like you guys, from a locality standpoint, from a community standpoint, from the, the makeup of your members are are positioned for that. Uh, whereas I, I just see a New Yorker, uh, you know, if you're going to start this thing in right outside New York City and Connecticut, or you're going to start this thing, you know, outside LA, I, I don't know if that's going to be possible,
2: right? I, you know, it, it's tough, right? I, I mean, golf here in the U.S. is in such a strange position. And, and, you know, I I mean that in a good way, right? But we are seeing a boom with COVID, right? I mean, you know, but if, so we, we've been fortunate enough to build this golf course in Aiken. Aiken has tremendous resources between, you know, Aiken Golf Club, which is obviously a phenomenal public course. Um, we have Palmetto, which has been, you know, this Historic 1892 founding, you know, from four sand greens to now, you know, 18 holes. Um, obviously, we're building it at, at Old Barnwell. Um, and then, you know, our Zach Blair and his team over at the tree farm, right? It is. Um, it, it, I've 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 been lucky enough when I've, I actually spoke with the GM at the tree farm, gosh, probably two or three months ago. And, you know, they. I, I think it's probably fair to say they probably have, on average, a more affluent membership than we do. Um But these guys come in to Aiken and, you know, say, wow, what a charming little town, right? And and to me, it's incredibly important, even though we're 11 miles from downtown Aiken, right, with where we are at Old Barnwell, um, it is still incredibly important for us to be a part of that community and to show it off. And if we can have some sort of influence of making people feel welcome when they come to Aiken, um, but also, you know both within the town and on the golf course, then I think we'll be, you know, thrilled with how, with that outcome. Yeah, that's that's
0: that's neat. I I'm gonna uh I gotta right, I gotta get us go? on McKenzie for a bit. I did not know you were chasing McKenzie's how, how many courses? 36 yeah
2: you, th- you know I I I thought there was uh you know eighteen hole, eighteen holes times two uh thirty-six and I was turning thirty-six it made sense to me, uh, and yeah, so thir- decided to do thirty-six with Mackenzie. Uh, and you know, I, before I found myself in the golf business, uh, I uh, was you know in finance, worked as a research analyst for a mutual fund, and so um, wanted to do something that wasn't spreadsheet oriented. Uh, and so decided to teach myself, you know, to be a you know average photographer at best. Um, And so that was kind of part of uh, the journey, truthfully, was um, trying to be creative around that. Um, You know, I think there's still plenty of stories to tell, Um, some, you know, suitable for work, some not suitable for work of of what happened while I was traveling. But um, yeah, I I had been fortunate enough to play some of McKenzie's best known designs and uh, actually met uh, Lucas Michelle, who won the US Mid Am. The day we shut down uh, the U.S. with COVID, uh, Lucas had basically just found out that he wasn't able to play in the Masters because they had canceled the tournament. And I had offered to take him out to play Palmetto. And I, my back was injured, so I couldn't play. But Lucas and his caddy, Will Davenport, went out and played Palmetto. And then Lucas, the whole time, was basically booking his flight back to Australia. And so through meeting him, my thought was I've been lucky enough to play uh, McKenzie's kind of two of the three most famous designs in Augusta National and Cyprus. If I thought, what if I went and played Royal Melbourne? That'll you know check off the box, um, and so that was the impetus for the whole idea. And uh, you know, thankfully, a little late, I was able to play all 36. Uh, finished five days before I turned 37, but uh, I was fortunate enough to finally sneak onto Royal Melbourne uh, in January of this year. Amazing!
0: I, what is it
2: about McKenzie for you? Gosh, um, you know, Palmetto is where I came to learn, love the game of golf, right? Um, I I admittedly, when I first, when I joined Palmetto, it was because it was a golf course, not because of any tie to great architecture or anything like that. Um, And then admittedly, uh, through guys like uh, Andy Johnson at the Friday, and you start talking about golf course architecture and what makes these places, places special. Um, I really started to enjoy taking all of that information in. Um, but to me, it's, you know, yes, our McKenzie has been, you know, who's created some of the, my favorite golf courses I've ever played, but I, I'd again, almost say it goes back to the people, right? It's the place Palmetto to me, the people that I know that have grown up, you know, that I've met there um you know all of my friends that are there um it's those it's those places more than anything and the people that are there um and so i just thought that there would be from a narrative story point that would be important but um you know i just any sort of golden age architecture i'm I'm gonna take in
1: regardless yeah yeah i I truly i truly think palmetto's I might call it the best club in the Southeast. And I think it can compete across the nation for that too. And even if you remove the people and the culture of the club, it's probably my favorite golf course in the Southeast. It's just no. so good. But if we remove that from the table, Morgan, what's the McKenzie you're going with? And, and let's qualify it maybe not as the best McKenzie course, but the place you'd want to play every day. Let's do, let's do that version. You got one course the rest of your life. You can't play anywhere else. And you can't choose Palmetto. What's the McKenzie you're choosing?
2: Uh gosh um i might say i I think the answer today is going to be meadow club um that's the answer today i I will tell you that answer has changed 37 times um Uh you know like uh, that that's not a slight to uh royal melbourne or augusta or cyprus you know those are obviously great answers right but like yeah the meadow club's the answer today i, I i'm sticking I've, I've said it i'm sticking with it
0: we'll be out there uh 2024 winter meeting that's cool that you mentioned that because i think that's a sleeper i i our co- mutual friend andy johnson always always has told me that that you know people don't talk about it as much as it probably deserves ha-
2: have either of you played it have you been
1: no <laughs> i was supposed to play was it the Midam qualifier i think they held one year they were going to hold that might have been the COVID year, and I was okay. all signed up for it. Um, because I was like, Yeah, like I try to use the mid-AM qualifier as a great way to travel and see golf courses. And I was Why like, not? Yeah, let's go. Why not? And uh, they're opening doors, and then it uh got canceled. So it's well, on I, my uh, I, sleeper list. I don't, I, I don't want to spoil it
2: for your you know, for your winter meeting, right? But um, You know, meadow club, it's on a meadow, but when you get up there, you have to, the road you drive up to go to the club, you are going to find yourself questioning how the hell are you about to play on a golf course? Because it is winding up this mountain and then all of a sudden it just opens up and there you are. Um, Hmm. And, you know, part of my i say part of my reason for this is, you know, it it has been, you know, a club that has been restored and gone back to its original principles, tree removal, all those sort of fun things that we talk about in golf course architecture. um, You know, they've done it. And I think those are the sort of things where um, I had an incredible host. And and again, somebody that was just so proud to show it off like that, that goes back to the experience, right? Did I play well? Oh God, I'm horrible. Um, But um, the people that were there and just, the sense of place and um, and community was was nothing short of spectacular.
0: That's awesome. We're coming up on time, and, and I know you got uh, matches to go win and, and things to do there in Chicago. Um, I, I do. I just want to ask kind of a, a larger question. But in a hundred years, what what's your hope for old, old Barnwell? Gosh, um,
2: I hope that we have introduced a you know a massive amounts of. Women, men, women, and children to the game of golf that grow um, to love the game, to respect the culture that we've you know are trying to build, um, and pay it forward. Right? I mean, that's hopefully something this is going to outlast. Certainly, me and Nick, um, but will continue to be you know integral part of the community. Um, supportive of the community and hopefully make Aiken a better place, South Carolina a better place, Southeast a better place, and the world a better place just through you know the people that come through the door. Very cool, very cool, Morgan. And and I think it, it was awesome
0: having you on. We could talk to you for hours. I really could. I mean, I got to pick your brain. I want to get. I want to go through your entire McKenzie experience because. Frankly, that that's my one of my bucket lists. I, I've added Mackenzie and now Rob Collins. I'm gonna play every one of their golf courses. I feel like Rob will keep me
2: going. You know, well, I, you know, the, the good news is Rob, uh, Rob's still here, right? So th- that's a moving <laughs> target for you guys uh, to do that. But um, yeah, you know, there's still more to do as it relates to uh, you know my hopefully my golf travel. Um, you know, I just got back from the trip where, uh, you know. Three days, you know, Netherlands, (laughs) Belgium, and France. Uh, I'll tell you that, you know, the the spoiler, I guess, but um, without a doubt, um, (laughs) in three years of traveling, I made the worst travel mistakes on this last trip that I ever have. Um, (laughs) I stayed in a hotel room that could double, if not previously was uh, a a hospital room. I mean, it was terrifying. I was texting with my friends and saying, "Listen, I've I've done pretty good on this travel thing, <laughs> but this one was a mistake." And uh, yeah, playing yeah. golf in Belgium is not for the faint faint of heart for Americans.
0: And and three three star in in Belgium is not three star in
2: America. <laughs> no, L- little different.
1: I gotta say, Netherlands. Have you seen the dunes in Netherlands? It's insane. Like think- I was doing a I was doing a Peloton ride. And I'm just like, I'm like, holy! Like golf course, golf course, golf course, golf course. There's a whole coastline of just dunes upon dunes upon dunes.
2: I'm gonna text you a picture of, and won't do it justice of this of uh, Nordwisk, which is one of the places I put. Yeah, and it is uh, the picture does not do it justice. Right? Um, I Guys. was floored by by what it was. It's unbelievable. I, I got I said, yelled I, at. I
0: this. I got yelled at. My flight to Scotland this past May was uh, got rerouted, and so I'm flying through the Netherlands. And as we're pulling both taking off and and landing, but, but as we are landing, I it caught my. I think I was in a middle seat. I literally unhooked my. my the plane is landing. I undo my seatbelt to stand up and take pictures of the dunes out over this guy next to me, uh, of these dunes because I couldn't believe how perfect it was for golf. <laughs> And I get yelled at on that. Well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, but I mean, I, I if if we can talk about this stuff, but, you know, water usage resources. I mean, so Belgium, you're no longer allowed to build golf courses. Um, right. And yeah. In the Netherlands, you yeah. are heavily restricted on water. Um, yeah. It, I, I, maybe I'll leave with this, but like one of the guys I spoke to, uh, he was, I was telling him we were building a golf course. And he's like, yeah, you know, that's that great. And. I was like, yeah, you know, we don't really have any. he asked about the water. i was like, we don't really have any issues. And he just looked at me and he goes, "Yet." And I'm like, "Oh, well, I guess you you're correct." <laughs> um So, that's yeah, so uh, true.
0: Uh it's that's and we would love to have you back on and talk some about some of that and some of these get I'd like to get more details on some of your guys programming at Old Bonwell. Yeah, margin, well, uh, you,
2: know. you know, I I think as we've said, the the best is still ahead, right? And yeah. um we'll make mistakes. We we've, we've been very clear about that. Um but um yeah, it, we're so excited. I mean, it, it, it's just fun for us, obviously, as, as the women are um, playing in some of, you know, uh, women's all pro. And, you know, I, I mentioned Lauren Walsh, who's playing on the lead access tour. You know, just creating a community around the them playing in different tournaments. Um, it's just an easy it's it, it's it sounds, you know, crazy, but it's it, it's an easy way to connect somebody, you know. Matt, if we hadn't met, or Kevin, if we didn't know each other, hey, how is you know how's Lauren playing today? Like, it's just it's a quick way to to create a bond between people, um, and yeah, it, it, we'll be excited to share more on the programming as we really get going with it.
0: Just another congrats to you, Morgan, and and to Nick, and and I'd like to you know have him on this show to talk about. Uh, updates and everything you guys are doing. It's it's a very exciting time for you guys, for your members, for Old Barnwell. So thanks for coming on and sharing a little bit. Uh,
2: Thanks for having me guys. I mean, again, it's, uh, you know, there's plenty more to talk about. Um, I'm so proud of what you guys are doing as it relates to New Club. I I, I think it's, you know, building a community of golfers is, uh, it's not not easy to do, um, but it's incredibly rewarding. And I'm sure you guys have seen that. And uh, yeah, look forward to having, you know you guys both out at old barnwell uh you know the, the full aiken day uh you know palmetto old barnwell and you know obscure racket sports so uh, we'll have to do it uh soon enough
0: well thanks thank you morgan we appreciate that and uh yeah we look forward to, to catching up soon yeah thanks guys People like Morgan, it's just refreshing to have him with us.
1: I mean, I'm just going to jump straight into my my reflection point here because I, I I I have said this probably in multiple pods, like a lack of backbone. And it's nice to get like, other people in our pods have been great and they've had backbones too. But like in terms of the a country club or a golf club, like, man, we got a group that actually has a backbone. Like, here's our mission. Yep. We're here about... You know, I wish I had the new golf club of St. Andrews, their little one sentence mission statement right off the top of my head. I, I can't remember the exact words, but it's basically like bringing people into the game and making it accessible and equitable um, is the goal. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to invest in these underprivileged areas. And we're going to stick to that. We're going to start from that beginning. And we're not going to two years in be like, oh, we, we can get more money if we do this. We're going to change up. Nope. Like we're going to have that backbone and we're going to follow through with it and we're going to stay committed to it. And it's just so refreshing to talk with someone that's just fully committed to it. And you can hear it in the way they talk about it, that it's not just, Oh, we can be different and unique and like edgy and whatever. And like, this is what we should know. Like this is ethically what we should do. And we want to do this and we're excited to do this. And we're going to do this. Like just have it so definitive like that. Love it.
0: And both both you know Nick Nick Schreiber who deserves a ton of of the recognition here is is the original founder and and Morgan's support I, you know I had read these things right and you read them and I think it 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 did it always jumped off the pages different to me but then when you hear Morgan actually talk about it you could I think he has a, what I gathered today was he he's very uh, he's a realist they are dreamers and idealists that are putting together a club in the way that they see it should be but They, I think, are realists on. They know the difficulty of that and the difficulty of sticking to it. And I think if we would have kept talking, you know, we could have gotten to some of those challenges that they're they're not backing down from. Right? They're like, no, this is this is the club we're setting out to create, and and we're going to keep it uh, that way. And this will be family, you know, centric, and it will be um, um, the the women's game, you know, just what they're doing with the the Annika program and. What do you say? Four professionals that they're already supporting for housing, yeah. and I mean that takes commitment, man. You can't just just say you're going to do that and back down. Like they're uh, they're doing that, and these other programs are um, are all going to be a part of it. So really, really kind of invigorating for me this morning, just because I think I think it really aligns so much with as we do with many of our guests. Um, what we're trying to do at New Club, right? Values first, and and it is golf, and it's golf centric but it's, it really is more of um, a worldview of how, how you think you'd like to engage with communities and people and, and, uh, and share hobbies. And, and I think they are after a really positive way to do it. Uh, thank you to our partner of the Founders Cup this year, True Temper, supporter of this podcast. Um, Professor, it's coming up. We're just a little over a month from the Founders Cup. Chicago is looking to avenge a three-year drought against our members from Atlanta and uh, international and national. So you know, uh, you know we'll what they say, Cedar, Can't wait for that.:
1: Winning is a habit. you know what they say.
0: You know, one theory, and, and again, true temper, the number one shaft in golf. their team has represented in these three years, they've been the partner of the Founders Cup, their uh, additions to the squad have resided on the, uh, the Atlanta national team. They might be the difference. Maybe maybe we got to give Chicago some true temper folks so that we can actually uh, get a win. I say we, I'm on the national team, so I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't belabor them. But good luck, Chicago. Good luck to everybody. Uh, thanks to True Temper for supporting the pod. Professor, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.
1: See you later.